Thank you, Tim. And good morning from me. Happy Thanksgiving to y'all. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday and trust that you did. You know, I was sitting there thinking about that women's dinner coming up and I grew up with brothers and then I had one sister kind of tag along a little later and so there were three of us brothers together and then I married into a family that has four sisters. And when I saw five sisters up there and they named themselves True Emotion, that couldn't have been more appropriate. I didn't know what true emotion was until I was in a family of sisters like that. Really fun. We're in this series, uh, Living a Rich Life, and what we're talking about here, when we see that word rich, oftentimes we think in terms of uh, money in our culture, rich people, money. But when the Bible talks about living a full life or a rich life, or, uh, it's talking about a meaningful, purposeful life that is full and It has the elements of living a very, I don't know how to say it, meaningful life. And so when we're talking about stewardship, we're looking at God's principles for taking care of what He's given us so that we feel a sense of richness in our life, a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose. And so Dave talked about the the importance of generosity according to God in our lives and how there's something that happens in our hearts, our spirits, our life that can only be flourished as we become generous people. It can only enhance our lives as we're, as we're givers of what God has given us. And uh, Doug is going to come and he's going to share about how we have experienced meaning and purpose in the fullness of life when we're serving in the way that God has anointed us each to serve uniquely in the way he's gifted us. And this morning I want to talk about, and the stewardship principles are in the middle of your program there, the ten that we've our leadership has landed on and worked to highlight, and we, we take three weeks every year to sort of spend time highlighting these, and then we work them in throughout the year in different teachings and stuff. But I want to focus on stewardship principle number nine, which says God is the true source of our level of wealth, and we're called to practice what this word here that's used is contentment, contentment. And I want to get into how God encourages us down the road of contentment. But before we get there, I want to start in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Or the Apostle Paul prays for the believers in Thessalonia, and he says, may, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. What he's saying here is he's praying for them, to, for God, to set them apart as different, sanctified, pure, through their whole being. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord. So there's a sense that we're waiting for the return of Christ. We looked at Revelation not long ago. And Paul is saying, we, we want God to help us stay pure before Him and blameless before Him until that day comes. And you can look in different writings about what people are like and discover, you know, wisdom on human beings. But the best place to look is the Bible. And what Paul reveals here is that human beings are three-part beings in one, just like God, who's a three-part God, but yet He's in one. And the Old Testament temple was built after the nature of who we are because God knew one day He would make us into the temple of Himself where He would reside. And so Paul, as he was praying for those in Thessalonians, he said, May your whole spirit, soul, and body... And so he says we have a body, and we look and we see each other, and... We all have bodies. That's, that's the, how we identify each other, the unique features of our body. And the body correlates, of course, to the Old Testament temple's outer court. 
where the individuals, many people couldn't go into the temple, only the priests. But you could see the outer court, and the priests would come out and communicate on the outer court to the people. And so our body is the tool that we use for communication. The body has desires and longings in it. We get tired. Yesterday I was tired at the end of the day. I don't know if it was watching a lot of football or if it was being outside in the cold or what, but by the end of the day I was just ready to go to bed. My body was... And and sometimes we get thirsty. And this morning I feel rested and refreshed. My body got what it wanted. And you get thirsty and you want to drink and you can satisfy that. And and we want shelter and our body desires clothing because, you know, it likes to be covered. and, And then we have our soul. So... He wants our body to be kept pure, and he prayed that our soul would be kept pure. And the soul is that seat of our unique personalities. Everyone is given a unique soul by God when he gives them that breath of life. And the soul has desires to connect with other people, relate with other people. The soul flourishes when it's experiencing peace and joy and hope. And when there's faith in the soul, The soul longs for God. The soul longs to connect with God. And when those desires are met, we feel full. We feel, in a sense, content. And then we have a spirit. Our whole spirit, soul, and body. And the spirit resonates with the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament temple where God placed His spirit in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, when we become believers in Jesus, His Spirit enters our spirit. That's how we are temples of the living God. And the Spirit in us was designed to be in perfect harmony with God. And the desires of the Spirit are the desires of worship and praise and honor and communion, connection, fellowship with God. A full and meaningful life is the life that experiences what God wired us to experience. The fullness of His presence, the power of His Spirit, the peace, joy, love of His Spirit, overflowing in our spirit to our soul. And when the soul experiences those things, life becomes more rich, full, meaningful, and then it flows into our bodies. That's the rich, full life. Jesus said, those who believe in me, out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Because he's the source of life. In a perfect world, we operate with these desires met 100% of the time. And our life just feels right. Full. Living waters, spiritual life flowing out of us consistently. But the challenge is, we don't live in a perfect world. We were designed to, but we don't. The world is what theologians would say is broken, or it's fallen, or it misses what God intends. And so, we have desires and longings in the various parts of who we are that go unmet for a period of time. And then we experience a sense of frustration. And then we go and try and get those desires met in some way. And as we're trying to live the full life, the Bible says there's some forces coming against us in this broken world. And the Bible highlights predominantly three. The first one it highlights is sin. Sin. Sin entered our world. Sin is 
Sin is an archery term where we fall short of what God intends. So now we fall short of the glory and the honor and the praise of God. We've been separated from God in our spirits because of sin. Sin has affected us there. We don't always think with love, joy, peace. We don't experience that in our soul because of the presence of sin. And sin ultimately has affected our body. So we have sin working against us. We have Satan working against us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. I came that you might have life and you might have it to the full. Our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he might devour. He is the father of lies. He has always been lying to us. He is a deceiver. He works in our soul to try and deceive us. He hates everything that is of God. He wants to woo us away from God. He doesn't want us to experience the fullness of joy and the fruits of the Spirit because then we will reflect back to God the glory of God. See, and He is in direct contact, contrast to God. He hates God. And so He's always wooing us away from the rich, full, meaningful life that God wants us to experience. And then we have death. The wage of sin... What sin brought into the world was death. And so death affects, of course, our separation from God, spiritual death. But death is what we experience in our bodies. Once listened to a gentleman speak about strategic dying. That we know we're dying and the body is wasting away, the Bible says. And so we have sickness and disease and hurt and heartache. And then we have grief that comes into our life when we lose loved ones or they're suffering physically. And then eventually, you know, the body gives way to death. And it adds frustration to our life. It adds grief and sadness and pain. And when we have these longings unmet and we're not operating as the way God intended us to, our spirits, our souls desire for that fullness that they're wired to have. And so with unmet longings, in comes the deceiver. And I want to focus on one lie of the deceiver this morning to try and get us away from really experiencing the fullness of God from the center moving out. And here's the lie, one lie. And it's it's appropriate lie to talk about, especially when you live in the United States of America. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he comes and he says, you have unmet desires. You have unmet longings. He's an angel of light. We know we long for more. And so he says, if you want a fuller, more meaningful life, you need more. But he says you need more out here. Here's the lie. To have a richer life, a more meaningful life, you need better, faster, newer, nicer, prettier, more out here. Ever heard that lie? Somehow, the Bible calls him the prince of the air, has made this a multi-billion funded industry. Bringing this lie. Heard it before? Just watch TV for an hour. You'll hear it. Especially as we're heading into Christmas. A fuller, richer, a better life will come to you with more out here. Now, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, the Bible says. 
There's nothing wrong with enjoying all the things that God has given us. They just won't bring us the full, rich, meaningful life. But Satan wants to trick us into thinking they are. They will. And he does so because we have longings and unmet desires. And so he can deceive us. And we can begin focusing there. Listen to what Jesus said in contrast to this lie. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Be on your guard, he said. Be on your guard. Against, virtually, the word means the lust for more out here. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then he made this statement. For a man's life, the life that is truly life, a woman's life does not consist in what they have out here. Jesus could not have been clearer. Be on your guard against the lust for more. Greed. For a person's life is not measured by the sum of their possessions. How do we measure people? We measure people in various ways. But oftentimes when you're reading in the paper, people are measured by their salaries. By what they have out here. To fight against this lie, God has given us the tool of contentment. You won't hear this promoted this holiday season by the companies. You just won't hear it. It's the wisdom of God. It's not the wisdom of man. This word contentment is to feel contained in what you have. Whole in what you have. Full in what God has given you. Contentment. I know as I gave this message last week, I just been praying myself. Lord, speak to us about this, this secret, Paul called it. Secret of contentment. And to look at it, I want to first turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, where Paul is writing to Timothy, and he is going to talk to him about developing a contentment in his life, because there's some people around him who are using the lust of the spirit and the lust of the soul to know the things of the spirit. And there are longings there and there's this temptation in ministry and, and you've seen it in the history of the world, you've probably seen it work, where you can take these longings and you can play on these longings and you can appeal to them in people's hearts and their spirits for financial gain. You can sell this stuff because people are empty in there and you can gain materially. And so there are some people who have bought into the lie that More is where life is found, and so they're using godliness, the desire to please God, as a means to financial gain. And so Paul says to Timothy, no, don't do that. He says, says, godliness, the desire to please God, when you pair it with contentment. Now just get this little formula. The desire to please God. The spiritual longings of the soul. When you pursue those rightly. And you pair it with being satisfied out here. Contentment. Then he says, you're getting richer. Then you're moving towards gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For he says, we brought nothing into this world. We can take nothing out of it. It's the old, you'll never see the hearse with the U-Haul. 
It's all going to go away. Right? Indiana Jones movie. He goes searching down, you know, and he's down in the caverns and he comes across the dead mummy there and he's going to cut the mummy apart and inside the mummy is the decayed body of the person and all their riches, you know, the gold and the silver that they buried themselves with. But guess what's not there? Their soul and their spirit, they're gone. The riches are still left. Godliness, the desire to please God with contentment is great. That's movement towards a richer life. For we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of it. But he says right here, if we have food, he says, here's what the body needs. Food, clothing, basic essentials. If you have that, be content with that. Shelter. What does it take to have a rich, full, meaningful life materialistically? Just the essentials. Food, shelter, clothing. When you have those and you're content with those, you're getting richer if you couple that with godliness. Paul says, learn to be satisfied if you have the essentials in life. Those needs met materialistically. And then he gives a warning. He doesn't want Timothy to be deceived. Listen to this warning. People who want to get rich. Now he's talking about rich out here. He's talking about the desire as a driving desire to amass a lot out here. People who want to get... i got to be honest. When I was younger and I watched Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, there is no question I wanted to be rich. It's a huge temptation in our world. It's dangled in front of us all the time. People who want to get rich, so here's the warning, fall into temptation and a trap. And listen, and many foolish and harmful desires. There is a belief in our culture right now That whatever desires come out of you are right. Whatever lusts come out of you, those are right. God made you that way. But when I read the scriptures, it says, there are certain desires that are stirred up in us that God himself calls foolish. Foolish. Not only foolish, but harmful. Let that settle in on you. There are lusts in the human heart that are just ridiculous, God says. And they're detrimental, harmful. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap, into many foolish and harmful desires. Listen to what they do. They plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, again, the desire to be rich, the love of money, it's not riches, it's not money, it's what's going on in the heart here. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from where the full source of life is. Wandered away from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. 1923, in a hotel in Chicago, the six richest men gathered together. I don't know why. I assume they felt a part of the elite rich crowd and so they got together to... I don't know what. 
What would, what would they do? Charles Schwab, president of the largest independent steel company at the time. You know how his life unfolded? He lived on borrowed money the last five years of his life, and he died without a cent. Maybe it didn't matter because he couldn't take it with him anyway. Richard Whitney, president of the New York Stock Exchange. He served time in the Sing Sing prison at the end of his life. I wonder what kind of temptation he fell into that trapped him. Albert Fall, member of the president's cabinet, was pardoned from prison at the end of his life so he could have the pleasure of going home to die. Sounds like a rich, meaningful life. Jesse Livermore, greatest bear on Wall Street, Ivan Kruger, world's greatest monopoly at the time he owned it, Leon Frazier, president of the Bank of the International Sentiment. Listen now. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I don't know what the griefs were for these three men. But each one of them took their life prematurely through suicide. If Satan was right, these men would have had the fullest lives possible. Paul warns Timothy, be careful about getting caught up in this game of who's got more. It's a dangerous game. Learn to be content if your material needs, basic physical essentials are met. Be very careful about getting caught up in the spiritual game of who's got more. When I was first preparing this message, I was praying about this. I went home, grabbed the mail, opened up this little flyer right here. Webcast auction on behalf of the receiver for Russell Wassendorf Sr. I opened this thing up. You can't believe what this guy owned. I wonder when that first temptation came. Listen to it again now, thinking about Russell. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I wonder what it's like for him now. The griefs. We should pray for him. I wonder if he's experiencing anything here. Paul said to Timothy, Satisfied, be weary. And then he says this, verse 11. But you, and I love this, only time anyone has called this in the New Testament. You, O man of God. You, you man, seeking after God. Could be woman, seeking after God. You, O man of God. Flee from this. Here's what I love about this. Paul doesn't say contentment is just getting lazy. Contentment has to do with the external part of life and the physical things. But internally, 
It frees us up for more passion, more movement. And here he says, you, O man of God, flee from this. Pursue. Go after. We have desires. We have longings. The fullness of life comes into our spirit, out to our soul, then out to our body. I came, Jesus said, that you might have life and you might have it to the full. Those that believe in me out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The full life, friends, don't be deceived about this, is not found out here. It is found in a deep, meaningful, personal connection with the living God. He is the source of life. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Flee from this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith that you may take hold of the eternal life, which is truly life. This is why the church is so important, friends. It's our mission to hold out the word of life to a world that's being deceived by the evil one. I want to ask you today, temporarily speaking in the things of this world, with where you're at right now, whether in plenty or want, how would you measure your contentment, your satisfaction, materialistically speaking. Would you say you're at a five, half the time content, half the time? Would you say you're less than that? Would you say you're more than that? Some people have very little battle with this. If you want to make your life richer, up that number. Up that number. And take the energy you're putting into your discontentment materially and put it into your pursuit of God. And your life, miraculously, through some secret of God's, will eventually get richer, more meaningful, fuller, more purposeful. The pursuit of contentment is is unique to each of us because we each have unique battles in this temptation area. And I don't know what it'll be for you. But it's a battle worth fighting, according to God. And it'll make our life richer and fuller and more meaningful. So as you head through this Christmas season, I just want to ask you, keep an eye on that contentment radar. You young children, what you get for Christmas, it may be fun, but it won't give you a meaningful, purposeful life. Only God can do that. It's true for all of us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We look at these stewardship principles, you know, directly, intentionally once a year. And today we're looking at this principle comes right out of your word that you determine our level of wealth. You determine the exact time and place where we'll live. And certainly that can change in the course of our lives. But the gift of contentment is something you've given us to pursue. And in America, Lord, it can be a, can be a challenge. It can probably be a challenge anywhere in the world. But we're bombarded so often with messages designed to make us discontent. And so I pray, even as we head through this holiday season,
you would help us grow and mature in this area of being satisfied with what you give us and then having a greater hunger and thirst and desire to pursue you and what you have to offer us. We pray it in Christ's name.